You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. I always record the introduction for the episode separate from the actual episode. And this time I am recording this fresh off of recording my interview with Dr. Gans Ferentz because I'm so in the vibe and frequency of that conversation. And I want that to be infused into the introduction as well. It was a beautiful visit that we had with a new friend of mine who I um, met because he is one of the teachers or facilitators in an unconscious racial bias uh, study that I'm doing hosted by an organization called the Evolutionary Business Council, which I will put a link in the show notes. And I just have been so touched by his contribution, his sharing, his eloquency, and I wanted to know more about him. And so I thought, hey, I got this show. I would, I'm having intention to have more people of color on my show. I am really making commitment to social justice and racial equality. And I feel like the best thing that I can do is to have more people of color on my show and just, and that are fucking awesome people, (laughs) but just happen to be people of color. And it doesn't take much effort, but it does take intention. And so he goes by Dr. Gans and he is just delightful. He is a psychologist. He has a PhD in counseling psychology. And he immigrated here when he was three from the Caribbean. And that is a big part of his story. And how he got to doing what he does now, which is specializing in helping people beat burnout. So he works with individuals, couples, families, corporations. He's worked with fourth generation gang members, uh, hardened oil and gas workers, law enforcement officers. And when you hear his voice, y'all, you're going to really get why, I don't know, I feel like it can, his amazing voice, the warmth that comes through. Um, The tone of his voice just creates such safety and just a feeling of love. I'm so grateful that the package that he comes in is what really resonates with people that are really needing the to master strategies around dealing with stress. And especially, you know, when they're in situations where they're under pressure, like some of the people that he works with. So here's a question to think about as you go into the interview. Do you know how to prevent yourself from getting burnt out? Like, are you, do you have like, this is what I do, or I've been there and now I know exactly how to prevent myself from being there. Dr. Gans, through his story, will tell you what he does. And now this is what he teaches. So of course, he's such a beautiful example of how a GFR wormhole births a mission. And so um, we're going to hear... Um, about his childhood, of course, (laughs) we like to talk about childhood on the show and just really recognizing how important it is to really recognize 
what what he calls adverse childhood events or not he calls it but there I learned a new terminology ACE ACE adverse childhood events and just how those things impact us into our lives into our careers and I just I learned a lot because he's like you know a psychologist and he's sharing his story so vulnerably like so you know revealing all his imperfection and his work in progress that he is while also educating me and you along the way so I think you're going to learn a lot you're going to just want to give him a hug like I do. <laughs> At the end, you will be super clear how you can get in touch with him. And he does speaking, he does radio, TV, all that good stuff. And we got him on the GFR show. So without further ado, it's Dr. Gans. Dr. Gans, welcome to the GFR show. Hey, so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to have you here. And I'm you know, when you meet people on Zoom, like my only reference is you with, you know, when people see you on video, they'll see you with your cool logoed background. And <laughs> like, I, I don't think I'll, I would even recognize you walking down the street because I've never, <laughs> you only see people from the neck up and with their particular background. And so I hope to see you in 3D sometime. That would be really soon. nice. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. In the flesh. That's in right. The flesh. <laughs> So I wanted to have you on the show because of some of, because of the way that I've gotten to know you is through this organization that we're both a member of called the Evolutionary Business Council. And we met at a conference in the beginning of the year and you and I, as the universe would have it, were put into a small group, or maybe it was just me and you in a dyad. I can't remember. And that was a blessing. And we, you know, had a lot in common right off the bat. And then in that organization, you know, they put forth an opportunity for people to do some deep work around their unconscious racial bias. And you are helping to lead that program. And so, so I've gotten to know you through some of the many vulnerable stories and things that you've shared to your own personal experience, which has been super, such a blessing to have your personal experience and shared so vulnerably. And so I just knew there was a lot more to you and your story and how you became Ask Dr. Gans. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I thought that my listeners could really benefit from getting to know you better. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to talking with you as well, right? Because you're right, there's there's lots of stuff. We, we don't always get the backstory when we see people. And, you know, from for me, as you know, because I've been in psychology for the last 30 years or so, I, I always know that the backstory is where the gold is, right? It's 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 that um, that's what helps all the pieces fall into place. You kind of understand, oh, okay, that makes sense now. What I'm seeing now, because based on where you've been, all right, now it makes it might not make logical sense, but it makes psychological sense, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, actually, I love that. It doesn't make logical sense. It's make it makes psychological sense, and then right. I would add, it makes entrepreneurial sense because those stories is what is what is birthing that person's mission, their, their path. Yep. And so I, I actually hadn't really thought about the parallel of me hosting the show and the stories that I hear that I like, I just feel so privileged to hear them, but I also feel like I am helping to normalize trauma. I'm helping oh, yeah. to normalize struggle. I'm helping to, they because these things are freaking normal and it's just if everybody talked about them then everybody would know they're normal but well yeah. we don't mm -hmm. and so on this show you know trauma is normal and i have come to believe that people that are doing great things in this world that are helping others in profound ways have been through a lot of shit to yes. get to that place <laughs> absolutely absolutely and a lot of times that's what birth, like you said is what births the mission but we know like particularly in entrepreneurship right in business the better you are personally, the better you do generally in your business. Your business is a reflection of you, right? So if you've got these like kind of unconscious blocks or some different holes that you haven't filled in or don't even know are there or, you know, things from your childhood or past um, that, you know, influence you but you're not aware of, then that can have a really profound influence on your business and or also influence or impact the way you enjoy your success right um so a lot of people you, you know what i mean like a lot of people work really hard they do all the stuff um they they win so to speak but they can't enjoy it because of what mom said when they were five or what they went through with their teacher or whatever it might be and so the whole idea is 
you know, first of all, you should enjoy what you do when you're working so that you can enjoy the process, but also you should enjoy the fruits of your labor. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, dealing with that stuff or at least being aware of it and having some place to put it really can help you get, get more out of what you're putting in. Yes. Yes. So, so true. I'm, and I'm thinking of all the guests as you're talking, like uh, we have an early guest, I think it's episode 22 from wayward teen to medical visionary. His name is J.R. Burgess. And one teacher said think, something to him about his ears when he was six mm. and he became a, you know, total addict, you know, acted out in school, you know, like, and he's a beautiful, amazing man now, family and medical visionary and his, in what he's created. And, and there's every story is is like this. And so it's I think it's a like in my role as host, uh, I've those stories are now normal and and beautiful. And in your role as a psychologist for you, too, this is like this is this is what I do. Like, that's right. You know, I, I swim in the ocean of people's stories and mm-hmm. and know that it's like just a legit part of who they are in their journey, which is you know, which is what it's all about when we can really claim those parts of ourselves. It just brings so much more powerful to the power to our present life. Oh, no kidding. Well, you know, and the thing is people respect you way more. Do you know what I mean? I, think, you- I do. I, I I call it wormhole certified. You know, you, you've been through it. I don't care how many degrees, which I respect your degrees. You've worked your ass off. You're a PhD, but, but all the other stuff, you know, that, that you've been through to me is what, like, that's what I really vibe on. It's the, it's the street cred, right? The street cred, so, <laughs> yes. So like, you know, a friend of mine who actually was in the army was an army ranger. He he calls it battle tested, mm. right? And I said, yeah, that's a that's a great term, right? It's like because you know the the thing is like perfectionism, for example, it, it's a killer, right? This idea of it's all or none. You got to be perfect if you're in a leadership role. You got to have all your shit together. Uh, no, not really, right? Um, the more authentic you can be, the more real you can be that's what people respect and they might not even be able to articulate it necessarily but they feel it right they feel it and they vibe with it and so you know when we can be authentic when we can own our imperfections or own our status as being works in progress that's when people really can gravitate to us you know what i mean hopefully they bring money along with them right (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but the idea is they respect people who can be real one of one of my sort of it's a consistent um message that i get back from the the people i work with uh, you know my coaching clients uh, my therapy clients when i was doing that more full-time it's like well you don't really seem like a psychologist right <laughs> and i was like oh thank you very much right it's a, because you know the whole idea is like listen what you see is what you get i'm one of you yeah. i have all sorts of extra expertise in this one area but i'm also dealing with stuff and just like, you know, I always tell people, you know, I, you know, even though I got a PhD in a bunch of stuff and I still yell at my kids, I still fight with my <laughs> wife. I still, you know what I mean? I get depressed sometimes. I get anxious sometimes. Right. And I said, you know, you can be the greatest brain surgeon in the world. You'd still be an idiot if you tried to do surgery on yourself because you do not have the objectivity. And even though I know some stuff and I can help you or whoever else, I still got my own guy I go see. Right. I, I yes. saw my psychologist last week. I got a guy. I, I got a guy right? because somebody got to tell me what's going on that I can't see and also give me something to bounce stuff off of. Right. And, and so I'm it's OK to be a work in progress. It's OK to have these things that we've gone through. And like you said, wormhole tested or battle tested or whatever it is. It's like that actually gives us some juice to help us be able to interact with people more authentically. I love that word juice. Yes, yes, it does. I, I mean, I could just be like, hallelujah, preach, because um, <laughs> it's 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 what I'm all about in, in, in the entrepreneurial world, right? It's like yeah. I have folks that I work with in a program I call Unmentor mm-hmm. because I say, you know what? We've all kind of arrived, and now we need to undo whatever is not serving us. We need to stop doing the things that we don't want to do, and we need to really claim reclaim our expertise and our intuition around how to run our business how to do our marketing and because that's what i'm doing you know i i'm an evolving expert i am claiming that evolution and and uh i love being in that space with my clients because then i just get to claim all my own stuff too (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) that's what i'm hearing you say i love it yeah well i I love that term evolving expert I, i like that i think that's that's a brilliant term 
I, I have a term I use, it's, it's an acronym, PEP, P-E-P, and it stands for Perpetually Evolving Perfection. Oh, right? I love it. And it's like the whole idea of that is you're already perfect how you are, right? For everything you've been through, all the stuff you've had to survive, all for, for what you've been through, you're good, right? You're perfect. And you get to evolve in whatever direction that makes sense for you, right? But yes. there's no, there's no pressure just do yes. it and just go where you think you need to go but you're already good nothing to prove yes oh my god that's one of our unmentor milestones is like i have nothing to prove right. you know because we there's so much pushing energy and proving energy mm -hmm. in the early days of being an entrepreneur and uh you know now i'm in my 23rd year and so i don't really resonate now working with newbies i resonate with people that now are i know i'm an expert I know it. I know I, I do good shit. Like I help people, but I'm still evolving and I'm still not where I want to be. And I right. need your help, you know, and that's, it's a really good place to be, to balance that. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. And, you know, yes, there's these exactly. things. So you have chosen to focus on burnout mm -hmm. in your practice in a big way. And uh, I know, and I shared in, in your bio that you've worked with gang members and mm -hmm. law enforcement officers and sounds like some really tough folks and I'm so glad that they listen to you you know mm -hmm. that they hear you so I would love to share your story um, with the listeners just like I know you came about that expertise through your own personal experience or you wouldn't Absolutely. be here mm -hmm. um, and I and and so where would where do you want to start because I want to help people understand sort of how you got to that so that GFR moment of your own burnout. Yeah, and some key, you know, key places along the way that you might want to share. Follow your intuition. I trust that it will be the perfect thing. <laughs> well, if you go back three generations, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey. But it can, right? I mean, Yes, for sure. But, but you know, I, I think honestly, it, you know, you talked about your commitment to having more people of color, BIPOC folks on the, the program. And, you know, stress, trauma, uh, tension, these things are pretty much daily um, experiences for people of color in, well, the world at this point, right? But for sure in the Western hemisphere. And, you know, we, my family immigrated to Canada uh, when I was about three, uh, two and a half, three. And so we had the sort of typical immigrant experience, right? We're new to the country and we struggled to, you know, kind of fit in and figure out how to, how to get through stuff. And, and one of the things that was uh, evident is that there was this pressure to fit in and to perform and to, you know, uh, in a sense, not stand out, but you can't really help but stand out because you're different, right? Different clothes possibly, you know, we, we look different, skin pigmentation is different, hair is different. You know, I, when I was in junior high, or not uh, elementary school, they used to call me Fuzz, right? Because I had this big, <laughs> big ass afro, big, huge. Oh, I'd right? love to see a picture so... <laughs> that. You're probably more adorable. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I kind of was. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, and and so, you know, they called me Fuzz. And so, so, like, I couldn't. And as much as I tried to sort of blend into the wallpaper and all the other stuff, I just couldn't do it right I always stood out and you know it really wasn't um it was in, in well into my sort of almost middle adulthood that I actually started to own that right and so that's a long time to go to try to hide when you can't really hide yeah. you know what I mean plus you know the listeners can't see me but well and like you said Lisa you see me from the head up or whatever <laughs> But I'm like, I'm like six feet tall. I'm over 200 pounds. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm not, I can't like, you can't miss me really. You know? <laughs> so it was a losing proposition. But, you know, so as, as we kind of got into, you know, started going to school and stuff, there was, um, you know, I was abused by one of the teachers that I had in grade one and two. She's like very, very physically abusive and emotionally wow. abusive to me and stuff like that. And, you know, dealt with, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like she didn't use racial slurs per se, but like all of my friends from that time tell me, oh, they, she used to do this, she used to say that. I, I honestly have no memory of it. Oh, you I don't remember. Was, no, I don't remember any of it. It was so, it was so bad. I think I just blocked it out, right? But it's such a, it's such a, I know this kind of goes without saying, but I'm just thinking of my own daughter yeah. at that age. It's like such a precious age. Oh, innocence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the, she, she um, you know, those little, desks that they have where there's a desk there's a seat and it's all together and stuff like that yeah. so 
<laughs> they tell me like when when you know if the desk got disorganized or whatever she'd come and she'd flip it over right and just have you pick it up and set it up set it up right which is horrible enough but they told me that she used to do that with me in the desk right oh my god i'm like flip the desk up she was a, like a big strong woman and <laughs> she just flipped that you know so a little grade one or grade two or you know Aww. this used to happen all the time right and and you know there's a there's a lot of um research that's done in the last probably 10 to 20 years on what they call aces uh adverse childhood events right mm. and the fact that these you know uh, they actually have a scoring system for them and stuff like that so you know the more aces you have the more the higher risk of stuff later in life and they've even correlated this with like physical stuff like heart attacks diabetes cancer different things like that as well as emotional things like depression anxiety those sorts of things too right so you kind of think about what what kind of happens to a kid early when there's some abuse or there's neglect neglect is actually worse than abuse tell you the truth and um but yeah that's that's kind of where it started and so early very early on i had the message that i need to you know kind of fit in and do what people expect of me and try to look after people and maybe then they'll like me right and then my parents who have their own issues right uh, apart from having to come as to most country. do <laughs> yes yes but they they were very much i was sort of the surrogate adult in the family okay. so i was, was going to ask in, about your brothers and how many brothers and sisters you right have i'm i'm have. i'm right in the middle of seven okay wow. but it's it's interesting because i'm the natural i'm the biological child everybody else is adopted right okay. and so and they made particularly my mother made very very that a clear delineation around that a hierarchy right right which was not cool not good i did not like it it caused a lot of tension in the family that sort of thing but i was also sort of the person the go-to person to look after everybody right wow. and so that's how i grew up and you know surprise surprise i went into psychology and, uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise, i fucked up and need, wanted to learn why i was so fucked up <laughs> exactly exactly what is going on and how can i do it better do you yeah. know what I mean? that's basically what Beautiful. it is and you know so and, and you know it's a, just another example of this early shit really creating this other like whatever fueling this mission um, one of the things that I will say that was helpful with all of these experiences was that uh, I really did want to create a better place for other people to like experience life, really, whether it's training parents so they can not do this to their children or dealing with the adult children or, you know, older children who've gone through this sort of thing. But, you know, really trying to figure out who I was and what I was doing. But that led to me being really a workaholic, right? I was I was just always performing, always doing, trying to prove that I was all right. And it, you know, anybody who's a workaholic and anybody who's been in that situation, they we all know, is never enough, right? You can never do enough to really fill that hole, right? And so yeah, just kept going and kept going. And then one day after I was gradu graduated from my doctorate actually yeah. I hadn't graduated from a doctorate yet I was I was, uh, I was actually working as a psychologist but I was still working on my PhD just kind of finishing it up I <laughs> I woke up in this hotel and I did not know where I was right okay. and that scared the hell out of me I didn't understand what was going on couldn't get my bearings finally I figured out I was in this little town and I remembered oh yeah I was doing this little circuit for my job and this is where I was, this is where I was supposed to be, but it was, it was frightening. I thought I'd had a stroke. And so fi I just, finally, I organized myself. I called, I canceled my day, and I kind of made it home, which was about an hour and a half, two hours away on the highway. And I said, okay, something, something has to change. And that was sort of my really big awareness and awakening of what, what, what the cost of workaholism is and, and that whole idea of, oh, this is burnout. Okay, I get yeah. it now. And so was it, what would be like the technical term of what you experienced when you woke up and didn't know where you were? Like it yeah, so I, I, like burnout is like recently it was actually, the term burnout was actually recognized by the World Health Organization okay. as, as just that. So it would be that, but it would, it, it could also be just sort of like, uh, you know, a, a cute 
you know, an acute panic attack kind of thing or, okay. you know, something that just, it just took, it wasn't, it didn't really take me out of reality. It was just a disorientation. Disorienting. Yeah. 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 So, and at that point you're working your ass off, but you're also in school. Yeah. I was, I was actually <laughs> writing my dissertation. Right. So I, wasn't, so I wasn't taking classes, but I was doing, I was doing that. I was newly married. I was the first job out of like um, the, you know, the, the PhD program. Um, finally making money. <laughs> yeah. Finally making money, able to pay back some debts, asshole of a boss, got to say, um, you know what I mean? And, yes. and I was, I was doing this just ridiculous circuit every week. I'd leave the house at about four 30 in the morning on Monday morning. And I wouldn't get back till I think um, was was Thursday, Thursday night, every week, right? And I was doing this ridiculous thing, and so of course, I mean, anybody who looks at the schedule I was keeping would say, "Yeah, why not? That's amazing. You made it like nine months, right? Should have made it like three weeks." But kept pushing, didn't want to disappoint, wanted to prove myself, and um, you know, it goes back to your your commandment number three, I think, which is, you know, are you being, where are you not being authentic to yourself? You yes. know? And that is, that was exactly what I was doing. And that was, yes. the, that was the result. Yes. Uh, yeah. That commandment, uh, you know, don't worry about being normal, proper or polite. And that confession question, where am I not speaking my truth? Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like you pre predominantly weren't speaking your truth to yourself. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I'd say this, Lisa, it was, it was basically I didn't know what my truth was because uh, my truth at that point was what everybody else thought should be my truth. And I was such a good chame chameleon that I would try to read people and figure out exactly what they needed from me or wanted from me or expected from me. And I'd give them that. Right. And how much do you think that was impacted by you being a person of color or being an immigrant or yeah, well, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's kind of survival. I mean, it's not great survival, but it is survival when you're a person of color. You you gotta read the situation quickly, and and from a very very young age, I think that was a that was a huge part of it. Uh, my experiences in school, which you know played into that, right? With, yeah, with right. being the only black kid in the whole school, really, wow. at that time, um, and then and then you know my parents and their dysfunction right i mean um people who grow up in particularly like uh alcoholic families or families where there's addiction my my dad his father was an alcoholic many of the male relatives in the family were alcoholics which you know if you factor in what racism does and, and the whole process of that, you know, people self-medicate, right? So you understand that, but then there yes. are trickle down effects to the family, right? And so my dad chose not to drink, but he was basically the dry, dry alcoholic. Drunk. Yeah, exactly. Just, just <laughs> add rage, water, rage. right? Yeah. Yes. So all that mm -hmm. stuff. So for all those reasons, I learned very, very early to read the room, right? For my survival. And, you know, it, the plus side of that is I'm a really good psychologist and coach. And I'm a mentor. really good reader of the room. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can yeah, I read the room. I can hear your voice. I don't have to see you. Yeah. I can kind of figure out what's going on and stuff wow. like that. But, uh, but yeah, it's exhausting. Right. And, yeah. and that, that really took its toll. Yeah. I'm really like drinking that in because, um, and it's something that I've learned through the, the studies that I'm doing with you and the others in the um, unconscious racial bias group around just sort of like the just the the consistent like underlying stress mm -hmm. that's always there mm -hmm. and 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 i try to relate it to obviously i'm not a person of color and i'm i'm looking for experiences that, that i can relate similar. to yeah you know, mm -hmm. i can really get it you know like being jewish and like mm -hmm. making and deciding whether i'm gonna let that slip or not or mm -hmm. you know am i gonna not pretend that, you know, like that. And there's also experiences in my career. I was really, really young when I started um, my first job because I, I got started in, with an internship when I was an undergrad. And then, so I was 28 and I was uh, 10 years in corporate at that point. Wow. And so I was the youngest in any, right. any room. And I was for a while in this male dominated industry called mm -hmm. food service. And uh, every salesman was a, was a man, was a, was a guy. And it was just totally male dominated. And I was this young thing 
with a voice, you know, and I spoke mm-hmm. my, tr- you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that person still, <laughs> you know, and so I didn't keep quiet or whatever, but I, and I, so I try to relate, like, I remember going to conferences. I remember going to vendors. I remember, and kind of like, you know, where they wouldn't speak to me, they would speak to my male boss, you know, and, you know, one time I was um, on a conference call and they thought that I had left the room and the sales oh, guy no. started talking about me. Oh, you know, and in that moment, it's like deciding whether to say something or not. And, and I did wind up saying something. Um, but just like, but those are just incidences, right? And what I am really coming to know and hear you hear you talking about here today too is it's just this, like I'm using this uh, motion with my hands mm-hmm. of like this, like just constant presence of uh, at a certain level mm-hmm. in the background of whatever it is that you're doing mm-hmm. of being alert and deciding who to be. And I imagine that there's a lot of like, I want to be the best, you know, I want to, I want to stand out or I want to prove that I need, that I belong here and all that kind of stuff. And which so many of us have, but just 10 times or whatever, you know, I don't know if it's quantifiable, but just, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's it's always in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's the weird, it's the weird thing because, you know, historically, you like so there's the immigrant experience of wanting to stand like be be good enough right to to excel and you know work twice as hard to get half as much and all this other stuff right but then particularly depending on you know where you are in the world but i know for for black people in north america and and for you know other people other people of color in north america too you're also punished for being good right So, so there's there's this you're pulled in both directions you really want to do well but if you do too well, then you're going to be, you know, a target, right? And people are going to come after you. And they're going to try to, you know, whatever, burn your store or whatever it is, right? right? And I know, I know, in, in the Jewish community, that was something that happened yes. a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, well, yes. these people do too too well. We're going to, you know, destroy the neighborhood or destroy whatever. And that's that is a constant uh, thing in the background that you have to think about, right? Well, don't be too tall. Don't be too loud. Don't be too happy. Don't be, you know, don't make too much noise. Um, you know, don't laugh too loud. Don't look too happy or be too successful. You know, I remember, and this is, this is kind of a weird thing. And I didn't even think I was going to talk about that, but you know, so about, uh, 17 years ago or something, we moved from the city we're living in to another city. We moved to Edmonton from a Northern city called Fort Murray. And, we built our house and <laughs> I agonized over, okay, what kind of counters am I going to put in? Okay. What am I going to do for the landscaping out front? Right. And all of this stuff was the, the agonizing was about, well, I want it to be nice because I need to fit into the neighborhood. I wanted to fit into, you know, kind of the price range of the house, right. but I don't want to be too nice because then, then I'm going to be a target. Then I'm going to, you know, what are people going to say? And they're going to come at me and, you know, just ridiculous stuff. So, you know, I ended up underdoing the house because I didn't want to be too much. Yes. And that that was, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of always in the background. And of course, creates stress, leads to burnout, all this other stuff, in addition to not really being able to, you know, fully give my full essence to whatever I'm doing. Right. And how do then you go about after this episode that you have, how do you go about figuring out who the fuck you are and how, what does a yard look like if you didn't give a shit what anybody <laughs> thought? And like, how, how did you go about like discovering what you really wanted or who you really wanted to yeah. be? Lots of therapy. <laughs> Lots of therapy. <laughs> That's how that worked. But yeah, um, yeah well, there, absolutely. That, that was definitely a part of it. And, and then also realizing that, okay, listen, if I'm going to, still you know because despite all this i still had this mission to help people do better and, and that sort of thing and wanted to give a gift to the world right and if i'm going to do that i realize that i cannot do that if i'm not in good working order myself i have to it's responsible it is wise it's reasonable for me to be okay uh, not just okay but really good in order for me to do good right um it goes back to the whole thing about you know when you're in the airplane and the flight attendant comes on and says hey listen if you're traveling with somebody who needs assistance and the masks come down make sure you put your own mask on first because that's what you need to do before you help anybody best metaphor ever never gets old ever (laughs) 
right? And it's like, you know, and I was doing this and I was talking about that. And I, my five-year-old was in the room one time. And she, uh, so I said, hey, her name's Ayanna. So I said, Ayanna, what, why do you think that is? What, that, that sounds really mean. Sounds kind of selfish, hey? She goes, dad, duh. Like, if you don't do that, then you're going to have two dead people. Because what if you can't get your shit together, right? You're going to kill both of us? Come on, right? And I said, <laughs> okay, all right. She gets it, so I should probably, you know, be at least as smart as my five-year-old and, <laughs> and start to look after myself in a better And how way. old were you at that point when you were do, you were writing your dissertation and that happened? I was 25. I so was, that's uh, young. I mean, that's on, like... No, 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 that's, that's, I'm lying. You're lying, that was, don't lie. Uh, yeah, no, no, no lying on my show. 30, I, was, I was 30, 30, 30 when 30. that happened, yeah. Okay, still, yeah. I mean, still young, still young, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's, I do think that there is a bit of a phenomenon with people who are like destined to really like help people like us and, and make it our business. It's like, like we fall, we fall down sooner. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm probably sooner. harder, harder. Yeah, mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I've, yeah. I've seen that too. I've seen yeah. that too. And, and, you know, it's, it's the, it's the picking yourself up out of the fall that can create whatever it is, the products or the services or the ideas or whatever it is that's really going to help people. And, and that's, you know, that's, that was definitely what it was for me because I, what I, what I had to do. So, so it was so bad for me. I, I said that I couldn't figure out who the hell I was, right. So bad for me that I had to build a system that, that kind of like, policies and procedures in your business i do that for me ah <laughs> this is what I, I like this is what i don't like right right this is this is this is your self-care program if you follow this you'll be okay if stuff starts to stray here are the warning signs and here's what you do if this happens right it's kind of like in those old movies when you see there's somebody's in the bunker and the flashing lights are going out ah oh, what do we do oh they get the binder they rip open the thing okay follow these instructions <laughs> it's like that for like me that. I, it had to be, had to, be the, to that detail it's like okay yeah. i got a press the button okay i gotta do that right and and that's what i had to do to to, to make sure i didn't just kind of drift back into workaholism or, or burnout because I'm, I was such a people pleaser and such a workaholic that if somebody came up to me, uh, particularly a family member or a friend or anybody, my heart was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then of course I'm spread too thin, I'm fighting with the wife, I, my health is falling apart and you know I can't really do what I wanted to do, even what I committed to do. Plus then whatever I do accomplish, I can't really enjoy. How did this impact your relationship? Because she married the people pleaser workaholic and now you're trying to change. Yeah, interestingly, I, I think, and she, we talk about this a lot because we met, we met in the States. Um, she's from the care. I'm from the Caribbean originally, and she's from the Caribbean as well. We met, we met in Michigan. I, I really think that I was, when I was in graduate school, I was actually doing more um, or for the first time, really personal growth work. I was seeing somebody every week to work on myself. I was reading books. I was doing stuff. So I was probably in a much better place when she met me. And then um, coming back home to where my family is, uh, wow. the dysfunction sort of seeped back in. And so it was really difficult. But at first she understood because we were just trying to like, you know, pay off debt and survive and do all this other stuff. Right. But it became a real, real issue because in, in, in not honoring and prioritizing myself, I was dishonoring and, and deprioritizing her and our relationship, right? Yes. And um, so, you know, one of the things that I had to discover and I had to like, again, capture for myself, put into a system was what is my priority structure? What is a healthy priority structure to have so that I don't just drift by whatever my heart tells me to do in the moment, right? I have to really think about that. And what I came up with was, you know, I like concentric circles, basically, right? Within the middle is the me. And then next one out is your partner. And next one out is your kids, if you have. And next one out after that is extended family and friends. And after that is work, right? And the rest of the world. And I had to stick with that process. Otherwise, when my family of origin said, hey, Gans, can you come and do blah, blah, blah? And I had a date with my wife for some other thing that I needed to do. It's like, no, yeah, sure, I'll come and do that because you asked me in, in the moment, this is what I'm feeling, I don't want to feel bad. 
but then you know the wife's pissed off and she's hurt and she's not getting what she needs right or i go and exhaust myself for a client or my job and then she gets the leftovers and the kids get the leftovers if there are any leftovers <laughs> right and so yeah it, it was it was a huge issue and um thankfully i was able to figure out that system to work on it but listen lisa i'm i'm still working on it do you know what i mean still still working on it so i'm sort of on the tail end of a fight with the wife right now as we speak and you know i think we're getting there we're getting to the end of it and and we'll be all right but you know this is this is what happens because we're we're works in progress but i have to figure out a way to make sure i stayed on track yeah i really appreciate that and i appreciate the fight thing <laughs> i'm married 23 years you've been married mm. a long time too mm -hmm. if i do the math right yeah. um our fights are just like a higher qual, like not higher quality, but a bit more evolved in higher quality fights, I think, than they used to be. But uh, yeah, anybody who tells you they don't fight, then <laughs> I know well, I yeah, well, it's it's almost it's almost like a warning sign, actually. Yes, don't fight, exactly. so you know it's like you gotta work something out, right? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I just keep getting this question that's coming to me, and sometimes they float out, but this one isn't, and it takes us a little back in your story, but. Your brothers and sisters that were adopted, were they all uh, people of color as well? Yes, yes, they were, yeah. Some of them, my older my older sisters um, were actually from the Caribbean as well. Um, my youngest, the sister next to me is actually um, my cousin who her mom died and she was my like, my, my aunt right that died sure. and so she, you know we um she was became part of the family and then um the last two with my two last brothers are foster kids that my mom took in one was from uganda and one was um uh indigenous from canada here and so you know this is we all kind of grew up and you know this is my younger ones the two younger brothers or I, I didn't really grow up around them i was already gone by the time they they came around but uh but yeah, they're part of them. I talked to them like last week. So yeah, so they're, they, yeah, all, all people of color, all, all visible minorities. Yes, yes. And you have talked, yeah, you've talked about, about a little bit about that in our, in our groups and like look on the outside similar, but different from different, completely different cultures and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I mean, uh, your mom sounds I, I'm just always impressed with people when they adopt. I just think mm -hmm. it's, I mean, yeah, it's such a beautiful thing to do. Mm -hmm. I have one, I have Gans, I have one, one mm -hmm. daughter and I could do it's one, exhausting. I do one really well. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you have? I got two, I got two That's kids. You. Uh, you know, I originally, my, my, my wife actually wanted one and I wanted seven, I thought, but <laughs> you know, the, the two are kind of killing me. So it's like, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Oh, good thing I remember. Listen, listen to the wisdom of my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so take us through to where you are today. Like how how you went from that thirty year old who woke up in the hotel room, didn't know who he was, and creating your concentric circles and your system to to who you are today, the brand and the and the mission that you're on today. Yeah, so you know, as I as I built out that system for myself, I started to just use it. Well, I, I made I recorded a CD so I could play it in the car and listen and kind of like brainwash myself into sense, right? You recorded and, a what? A CD? Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, for you kids out there, no, <laughs> right? yes, it's the audio, streaming audio. Yeah. So um so yeah, I did that so I could listen to it. And then, you know, uh what I found was as I started working with my coaching clients and also my therapy clients, 95 to 98 percent of them had something off in the system that I looked at. So I, I found that you know, my system that I used to look after myself was actually useful for other people, right? And they kept asking me and said, hey, can you put in a book and blah, blah, blah. So actually just kind of built into this whole other thing. It's actually the, the me factor is what, what, what it is. And for those of you that aren't on video, he did like a, a, like a <laughs> thumbs up sign and pointing to behind him because he has the graphic yeah, <laughs> I, was, I got and you knew it was on the left versus the right so i'm yeah, very impressed right. <laughs> <laughs> right so your so, systematic guide for getting what the hell you want 
That's right. That's we right. Use the word hell. I use the word fuck, but it's there you go. powerful nonetheless. Yeah, that's right, because it is. It is the truth. And Me you know, factor, and, and, love it. Yeah, and so the idea is that you have to be true to yourself. Like, it's, you know, what what is is this working for me? Is the question I ask my clients to think about with everything is this pair of shoes working for me is this way of thinking working for me is this relationship working for me right and and you know you get the answer and you kind of figure it out and so that system helped me to you know do well in therapy i did, did the executive coaching and all this other stuff and and i really find that particularly people in business entrepreneurs um you know like um what do you call it? like professionals like doctors dentists those sorts of people as well we're, we, we are so used to pushing and, and trying to make it, especially in the early years, like you said, Lisa, of the business, just kind of pushing and making hay while the sun shined, that we forget that there's these other pieces of our lives that are as important and sometimes more important. And, um, you know, by the time we look up after we've kept our head down, we look up and some of that stuff is either damaged or gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, that that became my, more of my mission to make sure that people were educated about this, um, proactively dealing with some of this stuff so they don't have to wake up in a hotel room and not know where the hell they are. You know what I mean? They don't have to go through that pain of whatever it might be, a divorce or your kids not talking to you or, or like a health scare or whatever, and making sure that they can continue to provide the good they make they, they produce in the world but also enjoy the process and enjoy the fruits of their labor and that's 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 what i do now and um i'm i'm quite happy doing it i'm, I'm very very happy uh working with people uh especially seeing that light bulb going off and i think you're the same way right totally you know what i mean <laughs> it's just kind of like oh yeah yeah i see you get it right and you just they light up and their life starts working and you know what i mean yeah it's 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 great and i just i so enjoy that how do you keep from getting burnt out now i follow my system <laughs> so I, I follow my system i i've probably like i've when i was putting my book together i i read it probably like six to eight times um, when I was putting it together. And I've probably read it at least that many times since I've written it. And every time I read it, it's like, ah, oh, shit, I forgot to do that again. Ah, I drifted in this direction. And I kind of readjust and get back, get back on the right, right track, right? But it, you know, it boils down to the better I feel, the better I do. And if I remember that, and I remember what's like, who is important to me, I'm important to me. But I, if, if, if I care about my kids, if I care about my, my, my wife, if I care about, you know, the service I'm providing to people in the world, I have to care about myself because I am the instrument. I'm the tool that I use to interact with people and then bring my goods to market, so to speak. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And it is so central to my evolving expert. I have this model called the Ascension model. And it, and it, it just, it links the connection between our vulnerability and our own personal growth to how it then grows the business and evolves Absolutely. the business. Mm -hmm. And so I could really see, and, and I always say, it's like, we, we need to walk our talk, meaning we need yeah. to like do the work that we're helping other people do. And, and when that's not working, we need to up level. And whatever our, and I that's my next question to you, because I feel like we, sometimes we grow, we're evolving and we're pushing the envelope on what mm -hmm. the systems and the structures that we've already created. And when we get that breakthrough that gets passed along to our clients and, and, and gets yep. and integrates and into our, our business. And everybody yeah. Else. yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you, can you, do you have an example of where you've needed to maybe like up level or tweak your system because of <laughs> something you've discovered for yourself that you were sort of pushing the envelope on that needed to make this, the system needed to evolve to adapt? Yeah, yeah. So, so the system was um, initially built on, you know, I got to feed the center, right? I got to feed me and then, you know, spill over so that it spills over naturally to everybody else in the, in the circles, right? But then I realized that, okay, um, two things. One, how do I feed that center circle? Like, it's like, what exactly, what are the pieces? What are the, what are the yeah. nuts and bolts of doing that? Right. Cause I, I also didn't know that. And actually what I came to find out is 
most people don't know what those things might be, right? And so those that's when the me factors or the seven me factors came about. So, okay, I'm going to hit the spiritual, I'm going to hit the emotional, you know what I mean? All the different things that you need to hit. So that was one of the one of the things. And then the other thing I realized is that if I don't have good boundaries, then I can, you know, keep pouring energy into the middle. But if but stuff is going to try to invade, right, there's going to try to come in and come get me, right, or interfere. And so I realized that I had to, it, it, it's, it works in the reverse as well. Not only do you fill the middle and it spills out to the ends, but also the stuff in the middle is the most precious. And if, if you, if something is trying to encroach on the, the areas in the middle of the circles, they, you only let stuff in that if it's going to be good for the stuff in the center, right? If it's going to be good for the kids and the spouse and like you, if that's, where you are right so an in-law trying to say something or a friend to invite you somewhere you should only make that decision if it's good for the stuff on the inside right and so I came up with a whole decision what I call the decision matrix where I can actually factor in all of the seven me factors plus the external factors that we need to look at so when we're making decisions you can actually see all that stuff instead of just looking at one thing. Is this going to make me more money or will so-and-so be mad at me or, or whatever? And so you can see how it affects your whole life. And if it adds energy or if it takes away energy or if it's going to be, you know, kind of neutral to your whole system. So those are three tweaks that I had to do as I kept pushing <laughs> pushing against the boundaries of that. But I, I really think for me, one of the biggest tweaks was me getting my head right to know that I deserved success. Yes. And that was, you know, going back to the whole, you know, kind of uh, unconscious bias system that we're living in in the, in the world, right? Uh, the the race the the, the race conscious um, system that we're all caught up in. That is one of the kind of central messages of the whole thing is that if you're not at the top of the ladder, right? And that and this, you know, and this is not if you're part of this group, this is not a slam against you. This is the system that that the way it's set up. But if you're not like sort of a middle-aged white straight male, you're less than, do you know what I mean? And that message is sent loud and clear through advertising, church, like education, how you're treated in the world, that sort of thing, right? So it's, that was another big breakthrough that I had to go through to realize I'm okay. I'm not just okay, you know, in business, but okay in the universe as a human. And that was... when I at least was able to understand that, because I'm still working on, I'm a work in progress like everybody else. But when I was able to understand that, there was a lot of freedom that came with knowing that, okay, no, I'm okay. I deserve what this is. And you know what? People might, it might make me a bit of a target, but I'm okay. I'm big enough to handle that too and be able to carry on. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for articulating that so eloquently. I'm learning a lot. Uh, We're reading the book cast as part Mm -hmm. of our curriculum and Mm -hmm. it's, and my daughter is taking a women's studies class um, this summer. She's 15. And we just yesterday were having a conversation about, they called it, is it like, they called it like polar opposites or, you know, they were, they were showing how if you have men and women and you have black and white and like right. all of these extremes basically says that anything that's outside of that is not okay. Right. Like mm-hmm. anything that's outside of those normative things mm-hmm. are, are not okay. And so many of us have this, Uh, you know, to generalize it like this imposter syndrome or right. Like that someone's going to find me out. And Mm -hmm. like, it it seems like such a primal Mm -hmm. give it regardless of, I don't know. It seems to be universal and yet unraveling what is packaged up in there. And Mm -hmm. if if you're in, uh, if you're not in the top part of the the cast, Mm -hmm. whatever that identification is, it impacts that whether it's because I'm gay or you know trans or mm-hmm. poor or mm-hmm. you know whatever you know person of color and uh, it's just um, it's it's kind of an interesting thing just to kind of have this awareness that there's a universal I'm not good enough there's a right. universal I don't deserve to be successful there's this universal imposter syndrome so who does this like even and I imagine even the people at the top don't always know it a hundred percent of the time. And oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's just, um, so I really appreciate you bringing that up and, and thank you for doing your own work and figuring that out so that we could, you know, talk about it today. And 
um, add it to the soup of we need to get a, we need to get fucking real about what's in our way, yes. whatever that is, so that we can serve from that full cup and yeah. help people the way that we want to. Like we must. Like that's where the GFR mission really got birthed a, a few years ago was like, I just, I could talk about marketing and sales so the cows come home. But if you don't feel like you're good enough or you're not speaking right. your truth or you keep doing shit that you don't want to do. And because you have this great, you know, very convincing story about why you need to, like you're, it's, mm -hmm. I'm going to be, you know, I, it's going to come in one ear and out the other. And so I know you and I are in the same business my friend <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely right of, of really helping people unravel the layers and uh so i appreciate that perspective and thank you for unraveling your layers <laughs> <laughs> very very welcome and thank you for giving me the space and the opportunity to unravel it and thank everybody for listening to me unravel <laughs> on the podcast <So. laughs> no i love it it's been a awesome visiting with you and getting yeah, to know you better it's totally selfish to have you on the show i'm like i want to get to know him better what's the story and, and all that and uh thank mm. you for saying yes and uh Absolutely. my intuition says to ask you what is yeah something that you didn't share that you think this platform is like it needs to be set on this platform that you're given right now here today hmm. didn't share like well i talked around it i didn't say it directly around this right but but i think it is important to to realize that if you're a parent or if you are in charge or connected with kids in any way you said when we get it we pass it on to the people we're mentoring like our you know the, the folks we're working with we also pass it on to our kids and one of the biggest things in my life I, so so my phd is in psychology i got a, a, a phd in counseling psychology my specialty in that is marriage and family therapy, right? Mm. And the reason that I chose that area was because, you know, kids are basically hostages in the family, right? We don't, right. they don't have a say, they just kind of born into the system and they got to kind of survive it until they can do better. And, and so my real underlying mission in all of the stuff that I do is to create healthier parents and healthier teachers and healthier people who are in charge of kids, because then you have healthier kids, you have healthier society after that, right? My daughter is 21, my, my son is 17. And I, I have, I, I see great things for that younger generation, right? They, they are so much better plugged in, so generally open hearted, you know what I mean? They are more understanding and accepting of people who are different and they see life as a continuum as, as opposed to the dichotomy that we were talking about earlier. And so um, if we can create, if, if I can help in some way to create healthier people to support that, uh, that's what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because I know for me, the holes I had to fill in and, and you know, what you know, thinking about the opportunity costs of what was lost for me doing, I mean, I'm happy I did the work, but, you know, what could I have done with that energy, that money, that time to go further and to contribute more versus just sort of making up the whole so I could survive better. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so, yeah, so that's, that's really kind of what I'd want to share is like, this is, it's not just a nice idea. This is, this is kind of the survival of humanity. And, and so we really need to think about it in those terms. The better that we do, the better that we feel, the better that we do. And we need to do well for the next generation or two or three or 15 that are coming behind us. Yes. Amen. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that perspective. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Ah, this has been a pleasure. For me, too. Big, big <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing yourself today. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I could just keep talking to Dr. Gans. Isn't his voice amazing? I told you it was. It's just so soothing. And uh, he takes me through this amazing process for our GFR squad members. Every guest does a special sort of training. And sometimes I'm a guinea pig. <laughs> so this time I totally was a guinea pig. And Dr. Gans takes me through a really cool process to help me feel my zone so that I could protect it and feed it 
And this is part of his me factor training that he does. So if you're curious about that, you definitely want to go check that out. If you're a squad member, it's in our special squad Facebook group right now. You can go watch that video. If you're not in there and want to be in there, or thought about being in there, come join the squad. I would love to hang out with you once a month on our community call where we focus on one of the GFR commandments. Go to gfr.life forward slash squad. Do it, do it now. Press pause, do it now. <laughs> and also make sure that you grab Dr. Gans's gift for our listeners, which is his 12 stress busting tips. These will help you combat stress and give you practical down to earth things you can do to improve your life on a daily basis. Who doesn't want that? So of course, that's also the best way to keep in touch with him or get in touch with him. And make sure that if this is your first time with us and you enjoyed this story to subscribe to the show on a podcast app, because I don't want you to miss any of these amazing, inspiring motivational stories, because if you are an entrepreneur that is, has an intention to help people and you know that your personal growth and your spiritual path and all of that good stuff is relevant to your work. I want you to have these stories to inspire you to get through those struggly times to come out the other side so you can really do your work in the world. It's been great spending this time with you and I hope to see you again, hear you again, be with you again in the future.